Welcome to Haunting History, the podcast that reaches back into the past for the events that still haunt us today. Tales of true crime, mystery, and the macabre. And when we're lucky, the stories were history and the people who lived it and the paranormal meet. Now who doesn't love a good ghost story, right? Welcome back to Haunting History Podcast. I'm your host, Kat. The French Quarter in New Orleans, Louisiana, has a rich and colorful history. Established by the French in 1718, it originally served as the colonial capital of Louisiana. In 1762, it was ceded to the Spanish before returning to the French control briefly in 1800. Finally, the United States acquired the territory in 1803. The French Quarter is not only known for its historical charm, but also for its reputation as one of the most haunted places in the United States. The area's turbulent history, including fires, floods, epidemics, has left a legacy of ghostly tales and eerie occurrences. Today, I'm with New Orleans Paranormal Society, Jennifer Talley. How's it going, Jennifer? Great. How are you? <laughs> Minus the connection issues that we had for the last 30 minutes were good. Yes. Jeez, man. <laughs> I feel like you and I have been talking for a really long time. It's been yeah. a while. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I do too. I want to hear all about New Orleans French Quarter. It's one of my fascinations. I know I've probably mentioned it to you before that one of my great-grandfathers was actually from Louisiana. So I've always been fascinated with Louisiana in general, but particularly New Orleans and then most specifically the French Quarter. And you've been doing these paranormal tours for how long? This particular one, I think we are into our third year, second year full-time because of that whole COVID thing. So you don't actually do the entire, your tour that you do is not the entire French Quarter. It's a portion of the French Quarter. This one is a portion. Um, two out of the three of us that work for the company actually were walking tour guides where we did history tours, ghost tours, food tours, things like that. And then um, we investigated on the side and then we helped create this. So many people ask, why just why can't we go in these, these places? They didn't understand people live there. So... Yeah, that's where this is com coming from. So it, this only covers a small portion of the French Quarter we know as the Lower Quarter, which is the side, the opposite end from Canal Street, which is where a lot of the central business district and businesses are. This is closer to the Esplanade side, um, which is a very famous tree-lined uh, street that is the very edge of the French Quarter on that side. And you, your tour takes place specifically in a hotel and in in what was once a hospital. That's one of the spaces. Um, we investigate two on each ghost hunt experience that we offer. Two of four locations that we have access to. And one of them is the Hotel Provincial, which part of the property was the first hospital here in New Orleans built in 1722. Oh, so tell us about that one. So the Hotel Provincial um, sits on what's called a key lot. So two streets running parallel. It uh, Its property runs through or fronts both sides of it. Um, the back portion, which fronts Decatur Street, that portion, which is now a parking lot and what they call Building 5, even though there's only four buildings in the hotel, was 
uh, built the first hospital called the Royal Military Hospital, and it was operated by the Ursuline Order of Nuns, um, who were sent here from Normandy, France, to, well, open hospitals and teach our women to be a little bit more proper than how they were acting at the time in the new colony. And they actually had an herb garden, a healing garden, on the property as well. And that building five is extremely haunted. That that remained a hospital until 1831, um, when it was sold by the nuns to two gentlemen who opened a macaroni factory on the property. Sorry about my dog. That macaroni factory that the nuns, um, the gentleman that owned the macaroni factory where the nuns sold the hospital building to, that operated until about... 1880-ish, um, and a fire destroyed part of it. Um, it was sold and uh, repaired, not to its entirety, to what is now called Building 5, which is the uh, house, hotel rooms and um, a, a breakfast and lunch, a brunch restaurant in it right now. And the front part of the hotel, which is where we get to investigate on the tours, even though we have investigated Building 5, is called On Floor. Um, that building, uh, On Floor, is the bottom portion is actually the banquet room for the hotel, but it and the front desk building used to be just two homes, probably built, you know, late 1700s originally. So that would have been people of wealth that lived there at some point. Um, we did build from build from the river back, and so those homes closer to the river tended to be a little bit more, a little bit larger, a little bit more lavish. Um, they would have owned slaves at the time. Later in its life, we found articles that on floor that house was um, actually a hairstyling, a hair salon for women. And you're talking about the front building, the white building, and then the brick buildings, the brick. I'm looking at a picture right now. So um, if you're looking at the front, the building on the right is where the front desk is. That was one of two homes, the building on the left. So there's that carriageway, that archway. Right. So the building to the left of the carriageway is on floor. That's the, the front part of their, their banquet room. And that's where we get to take people into. Where Are the hotel rooms, were they one-time hospital rooms or was it completely like redone? So... Probably some, probably redone, um, but part of that original hospital building still stands, which oh, is wow. part of building five in the very back. Um, the front buildings were there's two homes, and those don't really resemble, they weren't, I don't think that they were painted white at the time, because after they were homes, that carriageway was covered, and um, it was turned into an ice house, which is where you went and and got your blocks of ice for your your ice box. And it's that's beautiful. It, it is a gorgeous hotel. It's so pretty. What happens there? What I'm the, not just curious about what happens. I'm very curious about uh, like the history that yeah, like you and I have spoken about. The right. That kind of matches. Well, so that neighborhood in general. So we have the we have established the fact that that would have been original owners would have uh, owned slaves in that port at that point. Then as it turned into a business like a hair salon, then that's when, um, I guess the shift in 
the neighborhood started to begin where it wasn't as much wealthy people as it was a little bit more of the business owner side. And then at some point during our, our Italian immigration, that was also part of what was called Little Palermo, which would have been a very predominantly Italian neighborhood. And, and with that immigration came the mob, the Black Hand. And it, you, it, part of the back building five overlooks the French market, which is our flea market and produce and restaurants. Well, that was Gallatin Street. It was a very rough area with bars and clubs and gangs. So all of that plays into what sometimes the activity that we get, even in on floor. So we will get um, patients from the hospital. And while it was never an operating hospital during the Civil War, it ceased 30 years before the Civil War started. It was a hospital during the War of 1812. And that last battle of New Orleans was fought, was fought just, just downriver from where the hospital would have been. So we do get some patients, some veterans um, that come forward. We do get um, two children who said that they were members of an enslaved family Aww. that lived on the property and they love us. I bring a picture book with us and some stuffed animals. Um, they have an affiliation for teachers and nurses, how they know, it, I think there just must be a different look to your energy if you're in a profession like that, uh, because they, they just know. Oh, you can tell that from like the people that are on your tour? No, the, the children can tell. No, but I mean, you, you know, like it, when you have someone on your tour that's a teacher or a nurse... Like, you know, it's going to be a different night or different things happen. The children tend to come out and I don't always find out until after. Oh. Um, so the children may start speaking to somebody in that profession and I'll, I'll ask that person on the tour, hey, by the way, are you a nurse or caregiver or are you a teacher? And 90% of the time, the answer is yes. Wow. It's, it's amazing how... Those child, the child spirits just know. And I just wonder, if, I can't see auras, so I just kind of wonder if just doing that kind of work changes the energy that you carry, and they just can tell. I would think yes. I would yeah. think, right? Yeah. That's, so do you cut EVPs or anything there usually? We, we actually don't do, uh, not all of us, only one of, one of the guides does... EVP work, I don't because of the review time. We only have about an hour plus at each location. Oh, yeah. And you just, you lose people because if you don't catch anything, you know, and you're slowing it down and you're playing it, not everyone can hear. So we do a lot of spirit box work. We do a lot of SLS camera work um, that shows the stick figures. Mm -hmm. We do work with trigger objects. We do work um, we actually use music as a trigger. Um, I know some people use uh, what's called a music box that somehow goes and starts goes off and starts playing when a change in the electromagnetic field around it happens. But because of the musical nature of the area and the fact that the clubs were just behind us, we've actually two of us have encountered jazz musicians. 
that come out. And we see them on our SLS camera actually playing their instruments. So we have somebody who looks like they're playing a bass, like a stand-up bass from a jazz band, somebody that plays keyboard, and somebody that plays the drums. Crazy. Two two of them at least will come, and so we'll play music for them. And it's interesting to see people on the tour. They they watch the SLS camera. If if people aren't familiar, it's the one that shows the stick figures that's got the Kinect sensor. They'll watch the stick figures on the camera, and I'll play, let's say, some old-timey jazz, and then I'll switch it up to classical. Because what I'm wanting to show people is the the reaction to the spirits on the camera changes with the tempo of the new form of music. And and so we'll I'll play rap. <laughs> and then what's the reaction to that? That's what I need they, to hear. They, right. Uh, but you know what they like it. They they kind of move their shoulders up and down. Um but the tempos, I play all songs of all various different tempos. And because I want to show people how they react and how it's appropriate based on the tempo of the song. So then you're explaining that, you know, sound waves and like that somehow translating that they can feel that or hear that in some way and know that, okay, this is how I'm supposed to play now. So it's, it's kind of cool. I mean, and we've had a lot of other groups that have paranormal groups that have come on our tours actually worldwide and have never seen that used in that way before and are fascinated by it. Yeah, it's actually brilliant. I mean, music is a universal language, too. Exactly. Yep. So do you think that a lot of the things that you experience there, are they um, intelligent hauntings? Yes. Majority of what we've experienced are intelligent hauntings. It's in that particular area. And we have investigated Building 5 where the hospital still sits. That's where some of your residuals come in. And what kind of experiences have you had? So I haven't had this, but one of the hotel owners has given me a laundry list of what people have reported. um, Their elevator doors opening and people seeing a snap picture of a hospital operating room. Oh. Yeah. I, I do have an EVP of a doctor talking in his best Perry Mason voice. It's the best way I can explain it. And gosh, I just dated myself. I know, I'm old. Like, half, half of our listeners are going to be like, who? Yeah. Think of old times, 60s and 50s TV. You'll know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go, go Google Perry Mason. Yeah. It'll come up, I promise. And, and he says, that's the strangest case I've ever seen. I'd say you know that that's just a doctor stuck in doctor mode. Right. And then we have another entity back there her name is sister madeline she's stuck somewhere in between like do you mean like stuck in between like some of her stuff some of the experiences are residual and some of them are intelligent yeah she's she's stuck in the middle she really is um i when i first had gone back there it was closed during covid and so they they allowed us to go back into building five i mean they've never let anyone in there before and they they said hey do you want to come investigate and we said absolutely i walked up to the top floor of building five 
and uh, they were giving us a tour. And as the owner, one of the owners was, and as we turned to go down the steps, I, I got pushed like someone was pushing me down the steps and followed even because of course that happens to me. They're like, you're going up there by yourself, right? (laughs) Guinea pig. So I, we found out later, um, we worked with another team. Um, they've actually got a show coming out called, um, history's most haunted. It's a group of ladies from Canada that we asked the provincial to let them in because they're very, also very focused on history. And that's extremely important to the family that owns this hotel. We kind of, compared evidence and we believe she's sister Madeline who was one of the first mother superiors of the nuns and she was basic she didn't push me out of trying to do me harm she pushed me because she I was in her way because she's still in hospital mode you know I wasn't making the beds I wasn't cleaning I wasn't emptying a bedpan and um I, I was walking too slow and I was in her way <laughs> oh so you didn't feel like it was like a, a negative thing. no it was like I have a job to get done. Get the heck out my way. <laughs> wow. And uh, so that's why I think she's still stuck. There is another report of a woman back there that when I see her, I see her just, it's like when you've had your hair pinned up very tight all day and you take it down and you shake your hair out. Yeah. She's constantly making that hair shaking motion and very happy her hair's down and she makes people see blood on the sheets of their bed. Oh, that's a little startling. Yeah, crazy. And yeah, you check into a hotel, you check into a hotel and all of a sudden you've got blood on the sheets of your bed. But the crazy thing is they call on the front desk. Hey, there's an issue. Manager House Kingdom comes up there. They pull down the bed sheets and it's not there. And even the people don't see it anymore. Oh, wow. And um, she also... If you're a female and you take your jewelry off and set it on the nightstand and just kind of throw it, you might wake up with it very placed very neatly, even your necklace reclasped and, and put out, presented very neatly. And if you're with your significant other who's a male, he might find a stuff just thrown on the floor. She's a very much does not like men. So I think best guess is she is one of the prostitutes who was in French prisons who was sent over here to forcibly volunteer to help the nurses and was just not very happy about having to do it. Aww. And probably had some very poor experiences with clients back in France as a prostitute. Right. Um, which would explain the man hating um, and wanting to have her hair down. Yeah. It's funny, I had not encountered this spirit, but the girls did, and they didn't know who she was. They said, because the three girls from uh, their their uh, Instagram is called Beyond the Haunting. They're all mediums. Yeah, you're going to make me look this up while we're talking. I'm going to. I know. I just, no, I just love them. They're so great. I just know that if that the listeners are doing the exact same thing. Like yeah. You, like. Are trying to hide your phone at work because you have to listen. You have to like. Yeah. What did you say? What's their Instagram? Their Instagram is called Beyond the Haunting. Their first series that was filmed in Canada, I believe, was called The Haunted Gold Rush. Uh, season two is called, I believe, History's Most Haunted, and that's all in New Orleans. I think it's on TNE Network now, so US can't watch it yet, but we will, and we are on it. 
I think we're episode three at some point. But when we did, uh, I can't tell you much more. I shouldn't, I shouldn't say a whole lot, but I can't tell you much more until the episode airs. But they came across a very famous New Orleanian figure. And when they said this name, because they didn't know who this was, and I told them who it was, we were all shocked. If the episode had aired, I could tell you who it is, but it hasn't. That's okay. We can wait. We can yeah. wait. But watch it because you'll be amazed. Um, well, I have a question too, though. Sure. You um, just quickly made a statement that the history is important to the owners of the hotel. Can you elaborate on that? It, it is. So one of the... One of the owners, especially, um, he, there are a lot of walking tour groups that stop outside the hotel and tell this ridiculous story about it being a civil war hospital and how either the doctor was drunk or we got the patient drunk because we had to amputate and all this other stuff. And it bothers him because no part of it is true. It, it was a royal military hospital. It never operated as a hospital during the Civil War. It ceased 30 years before. And if you're going to tell, they just want accuracy. If you're going to tell something about the property, then everyone knows there's probably activity there. Everywhere in the quarter, ha- French Quarter has activity. At least tell some accurate things. And because it, there's plenty to talk about in exact, the first quarter. Like exactly. Making up stories. Exactly. And so it 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 bothers them that if that they're not speaking accurate stuff. Um there are some details I found out about the property that I've even taught them about their property and sent them some articles and proof on it, and they've been very grateful and they've they've just they're phenomenal for letting us meet inside their hotel and bars. So we're very protective of how that hotel is spoken about because we know how, how much it means to them. Right. Um, you know, people know it's haunted. It is what it is, but if you're going to talk about it, at least tell, tell accurate information. Right. Have some morality to it. Right. And it's a family owned hotel. you look at the property and it's sprawling. It's smaller than what it looks. And so again, you're talking about a family's reputation here. Right. So there is another location that you yes. take people to, though. What is that? That one is the Andrew Jackson Hotel. And I will argue that it is probably one of the most haunted places in the French Quarter. Come back next week for part two, New Orleans, the French Quarter. Thank you for listening to this episode of Haunting History Podcast. We love hearing from you, so be sure to like, follow, and comment on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Haunting History Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to all your favorites. Visit our website at hauntinghistorypodcast.com for more information on each episode, links to our Patreon page, and all of our social media platforms. Until next time, I'm Kat. I'm Haley. Remember, the living are far scarier than any ghost.